What's up, you? How's it going? Not bad. Not bad at all. Should have Gary with us here in a minute. Cool. So, yeah, I just got back from uh, baseball like maybe 20 minutes ago or something. So, nice. came in here, set all my saws up, got chains, chains set up to talk about here. And, uh, nice. Yeah. I got a light too, but I don't want to like kill the battery. <laughs> well, I actually remembered to record this, so. All right, sweet. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to record this. <laughs> yeah, so we can get it put on you, uh, onto YouTube and Facebook and yeah. all that stuff. Please, so, please. I'm going to pull up our list of questions. Hopefully, Gary joins us pretty soon. Yeah. I'm going to send out another invite to him. I'm sure he'll be by soon enough. And since since I don't know anything about porting, I, I sure hope he's here. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm gonna check my messages, see if he say anything. All right, sweet. I'll do a little quick video. There's a couple people joined already. I'm gonna do a little quick video tour of my my shed slash shop. Well, for one. We have uh, a pile of dead oak limbs here from like a year and a half ago when the chipper wasn't working. <laughs> um, they're piled on a trailer. Um, so yeah, that's fun. Got lots of empty bottles of bar and chain oil. That's where I mix my fuel. I mix five gallons at a time. I'm at thirty-two to one. And I always nice. keep like I got Lucas this time, and I always keep some Stabil, even though it's ethanol-free. Gas doesn't really break down the same way. Never hurts. Yeah, lots of chains, 28063. Yeah, lots of chains. What's and up, lots, Mr. Buxton? Lots more. Oh, <laughs> lots of rope, too. Nice. All right, all the work. We got these. Oh, nice. So you got your sweater on. Same as the Tacoma grinders. You got your grinders. Yep. Safety first. See how I keep the side cover on there? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, how's it going, Gary? All right, man. Nice. Well, should we start uh, start in on our list of questions? Yeah, do you have the list in front of you? Because mine's on my phone. And I think that I, I Yeah, I have my – I'm on my iPad, so I've got it on my phone. Wait, what's up? Pull up the, uh, let me pull up the list. Kev Haggard. Kev's on here. All right. Four industries. Nice. So we got Gary's. Gary's got a four industry sauce in his shop right now. Oh yeah. I do. Yeah. That's that five hundred I. Oh. That should be up pretty soon too. Sweet. All right. So got here's the. 261 sitting on your shelf somewhere, Gary. Not yet. What's that? But I have a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. I sent I sent one to you. It's uh it'll be the one with the anti-vibe broke and it's like looked like it got thrown out of a tree because it did. I, I think Lucas has that one. Yeah, oh. that's still at my shop. It's gotta go to the uh to the builder first and he's gonna tear that whole thing down. That thing's tired, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it needs it needs a little bit of work. So yeah, it's, that was a that was a funny story. Actually, Nathan Nathan's tree service he just joined. That was a funny story on that saw. I'll be real quick. He had a contract climber working for him. No names mentioned. 
And the guys just like refused to get a rear handle sole on the tree. And so Nate went out and got this 261. It's like light, you know, this figure sent it up to him. And the guy's like, ah, it's so heavy. I can't hold it. He just dropped it out of the tree. You're kidding. No, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so that's, so you see the result of it. <laughs> that's yeah. why you have. Well, the cool thing is, is that that's going to get completely broken down all the way to the crank. We're going to split the case. We're going to have that thing all cleaned up and colored, customized. Oh, I'm excited. It's going to be badass. Yeah, dude. All right. So here's our, here's our first question that we have. The first topic is converting round file to square file. Oh. How, do you, how do you get the angles right? And do you use a brand new chain or do you use a used chain? Uh, well, I have one on my, uh, on my vice here. Let me see if I can like show that somehow. I use a used chain. You don't have to, but, um, if you, if you're using here, let me show you. If you're using a chain that's round file, um, especially a smaller chain, like, so this is on a 201, the file will have a little trouble fitting in between the raker and the cutter at the right angle. Yeah. So this one's a little bit used. Um, and, the, and the real key to do it, see if I can do it one-handed here. Um, the, the key is, for one, you see this is a triangle file. Yeah. Lay one side of the triangle flat against the chain. And then you're going to turn it. You're looking for like 45 and 45. So, I mean, 45 that way and 45 back. But basically, here, let's see if we can, how good this camera is. Um, on this triangle, the corners are just a little bit rounded. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. You want you want all flat up against the top plate. And it's really hard to do this one-handed. I'm really sorry, guys. I practiced this, actually. And where it's flat should sit right in that cutter. And if you have all that right, everything else will work out. And you're going to grind like that. And it, as you work that, the angles are going to actually turn out exactly the way that you want them to. But the key is to not – don't look at the angle of the top plate if you came from round file because your round file angles are going to be like 30 degrees or thereabout. Maybe some guys do 25. And yeah. your square file angles are going to look a whole lot more like – this which you can see is i don't know if you can tell but that's almost 20 degrees it might even be 15 yeah because um, square file just cuts a whole lot differently um so anyway i don't know if that helps anybody or not i can i can grind one while we talk here and then i'll show it to you again so we can probably move on to another question but um the way well, one thing basically like you said the way that you get the angles correct is you make sure that you're holding your file correctly so your file should be at 45 and 45 and yeah. after that one thing, that one thing that i noticed there is that you're you're sharpening it backwards yes exactly so now i know like buck and billy ray did a video where he like kind of came in the other way um but yeah. that is kind of unorthodox when you're sharpening sure. a square file it's a whole lot easier to make sure that you're hitting right in that corner like that because that's what yeah. you need is you need that flat to sit right in that corner and that's going to sure. help create – let me get my echo my echo up here. Um, that's going to help create that little beak there. Do you yes. see that? There's a little beak. Mm -hmm. 
that's what you want. The square, the square cut, like the chain cuts wood differently. It severs the fibers differently than a round file. Um, so getting the gullet is not as important. Now every like three or four sharpens, I will like run out the gullet with a smaller file. Yeah. Um, but this, this, this will cut like ridiculous. Um, so I've heard some guys say that they like to, they like to round file the gullet first, then go back and hit the top edge with that, with that. Yeah. File. So that's every so sharpen, every so many sharpens, like maybe every three sharpens or so you're going to need to do that. Um, sure. but so I, I do have a chain over here that I did that with, um, that's, this is a three foot chain and you can see, like I went through and got the gullet first and then square filed the cutter. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just helpful for chip flow, but that gullet is not doing anything on a square file. It's all top plate and that little beat that are severing the fibers. And because, because you clean out the inside of the chain so much like if you can picture how this is going this is like really cleaning out that underneath of the cutter and it just creates uh like a better funnel for the chips sure so like a, a square file chain will actually cut 23 percent faster and it's not really that hard to do it's just the first couple of times you do it it's going to take you a while to get it right that's all um now trinity tree arbor care wants to know does it stay sharp for as long as if it was done normally it stays sharp longer however what i've noticed is that square is a little more susceptible to dirt to getting dull from dirt so if the wood's a little sure. bit you're gonna dull it a little quicker but i'm typically using my saws in the tree other than my 395 and um yeah i, I find that i can probably go longer in between sharpens actually all right well, that helps, I guess, with that, you know, like you said, you're in the tree with clean wood. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I can prop this for, so that I can still be on. And I'm going to work on this one. Well, the next, the next question is going to be for Gary. Oh. Performance tuning. It's a, kind of a multi-part question. Um, so, they want to know about airflow, like bark boxes, back pressure how much or how little a saw needs. And then the second part would be the durability between tuned and, you know, ported versus stock saws. Well, there's a bunch going on right now with the muffler arguments everywhere. A saw technically needs none. Don't need any back pressure. It'll, uh, it'll start idling funny when you get above like 200% of the port width. But other than that, it'll keep making power all the way up to 200% in a ported saw. And uh, as a general rule, the more you got going out, the more you want to try to get going in because that's what's going to build power. So if you're running a big exhaust port, you're going to want more, in, more uh, intake, either by modification or by a max flow. Or the more you can get in, the better, and the more you can get out, the better. So it kind of all goes with the blowdown, too. It kind of all corresponds with the blowdown. But uh, generally, in a ported saw, you can run up to like 200% of the size of your exhaust part before you're going to see idling issues. So I see everybody's arguing about that right now. So I might get a little blowback about that. But I've actually tested it, and you don't lose any power all the way up to around 200%, and then it starts idling a little funny. So Yeah. 
So I know that one thing that you and I have talked about a lot in the past is heat and your view on how heat kills saws. Oh, yeah, definitely. That, the stock mufflers definitely build heat. So if you want your saw to last, putting a port on or a side port or a cover, it's just going to benefit your saw other than you have the side effect of noise. So I guess some guys don't like that. But sure. overall, it mainly it's mainly going to benefit you. It's going to make more power. It's going to have more throttle response. It's going to keep the heat out. There's really no bad that comes from it. This so is very good. With some side yeah. ports. Here's a question that we had the other day was whether or not having a muffler cover like the Bark Box is much different than just drilling holes straight in your muffler. I don't like holes drilled straight in the muffler. When saws come in here and holes are drilled straight through the muffler, I typically weld them off. I uh, don't like how they look and I don't like how if you're cutting and you're ramming into the wood, you can get all that debris in them holes. Yeah. And then that can get in your cylinder, at least with a bark box or I try to put, typically if people got the screens pulled, I won't put screens on them, but I like putting screens on them just to keep the debris out more so than keeping the sparks from coming out. Because you don't want debris getting in your muffler because it's gonna, eventually it's gonna inhale it and it's gonna kill the saw, so. I would not recommend drilling holes in the front of the saw. Yeah, I kind of figured that was your 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 answer to that question, but it's <laughs> always good to cover that. It doesn't look as cool either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it doesn't look as clean and good either. But uh, yeah, it could get stuff in it. Typically, at least have some type of deflector, so you at least make a flying attempt at keeping stuff out of your muffler. Yeah. So here's here's a question just popped up from four industries uh, about modifying the exhaust on a 200T. Uh, we've, I've started using the, the uh, 200T pipe from West Coast Saw, and I know you've piped them before too. What's your viewpoint on, on piping versus just a, a standard port? Well, the pipe's mainly just for looks. How I do them is I weld the pipe to a plate and I bolt, bolt the plate on the side of the muffler with a screw either to the factory screen screw or uh on some of them i make a whole new hole and then i'd actually put uh either a nut insert or a nut on the inside of the muffler and the actually the pipes i put on are basically just a deflector i uh drill a hole in the actually i got one right here nice that actually still needs painted but this is what i do as you can see it's bolted on and that pipe's actually just welded to that plate. I don't know if there's enough light you can see down in it, but it's just a hole drilled in the muffler. Yeah. But the pipe's bolted over. Yeah. Now what we have to do is we have to get that on the dyno to figure out what the, what the, just the muffler modification will do. So yeah, we, that's all supported, so you can't do that with that one. That's going to well, have exactly. a little more than just a muffler modification. We're gonna to have to take one of those over to Joe just on a on a stock and see how that works. I'd assume it gets something. They typically do. Uh, you got to expect it's gonna be five to five to ten percent. Yeah, typically from a timing bump and a muffler mod. The two hundred T's though, you don't want to bump your timing. They actually, I think they lose when you bump the timing on them. The two hundred ones definitely benefit from a timing bump. Yeah, it all depends on how hot your factory coil is. Like the a lot of the echoes 
don't benefit 620s really don't benefit 501s really don't benefit but then you get in the 590s and they benefit so when you're bumping your timing you kind of got to listen to the saw there's actually a good video on my page here from a few weeks ago of when I went too far they almost start sounding like they got a popcorn sound or almost like a rev limited sound that's how you know you're too far with your timing. You don't want to go that far because it can actually hurt your bearings and a whole bunch of bad stuff can happen. So be a little careful when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, casting uh, tree service, we, we definitely see a big difference when we port the 200 Ts. Somebody said, can they see my 550? Uh, no, you can't. Um, ever since I got this Echo, the 550 saw very little, very little play time. Um, this is way lighter, like a lot, like at least a few pounds lighter. Um, I think dry weight was like a pound and a half from the factory is what they say, but it's significantly lighter. It's, it's lighter than that. So actually I sold my 550 to somebody who uh, would care for it more than I would because it was just sitting on my shelf <laughs> with me. Um, yeah, you you hadn't heard that yet, Gary. I hadn't told you that. And you got at two sixty one, and then I got the five hundred one. I got this John Cutter, and like I'm like really rich in fifty cc saws, like, and I just it wasn't a big deal to me to let it go to somebody who had been pretty interested. That in five hundred one's a hell of a saw. It oh, really yeah. is. Um, I mean, we'll talk more about it later, I'm sure, but yeah, it it freaking rips. Yeah, that, that thing, I think that that saw right there has as much or more gain on any saw that Gary has done. Oh, and the more, I mean, it might have already been kind of broken. I'm not really sure how much you guys ran it, but it it seems like it's getting more powerful. And I got, like, yeah. a really aggressive square grind on it, and it just, like, shreds anything in front of it. Ash tree is what I've cut with it most. Nice. Now, on a square grind, do you see any difference – I know some people say that like a 35 degree file on a round file on an ash tree, they, they have problems with chattering. Uh, no chatter. I found that square is very smooth. So I actually, I did follow that one. Um, this is, this is a round file and that's 30 degrees. And then like, so there's the round, here's the square. I don't know if you can see the difference in the top plate. How yeah. it's see, it's like, that's more like 20 degrees. Like I said, I just get if I just get the file angle right, everything else works out. You can see the little nice. beak there. Nice. So, yeah. So Gary, it's way smoother. It's it's way smoother. Gary, durability and longevity on a ported saw versus a stock saw. They should be exactly the same or a little better because it's running cooler. Yeah. Um. I've never tested the theory, but I've had lots of guys say that they last longer. So I can't, I can't prove that. I have nothing to back it up other than hearsay from customers. But uh, yeah, I've never heard of one taking a durability hit. Maybe the 372X torques because they got a little heavier piston. They might take a little hit. But uh, and most of your modern saws, they're not going to take a durability hit from porting. Yeah, that's. That's my understanding. Well, what I normally tell people is think about how you use a stock saw versus how you use a ported saw. And if you decide that you're going to push that ported saw harder because you think it's got a lot more in it, maybe that's where you could lose some longevity wow. issues. 
lots of lots of ported saws. The reason they're going to die is people running just screaming with dull chains. That'll kill them fast. Uh, yeah. People ordering a ported saw and not knowing how to tune it and not taking it someplace to get tuned. If you're, uh, I think I'm about 500 feet up, and if you are more than a few hundred feet in either way, you should really be tuning it or taking it to be tuned because I can't guarantee that saw is tuned when it gets to you. Yeah. What about running? What about running pissy fuel? Oh yeah, that'll that'll, that'll definitely kill it. You should uh, at least be running premium. If you run ethanol, make sure you you're going through it quicker because uh, you don't want that sitting in your carbs. But uh, yeah. other than that, make sure you're running. You know, the best is the ninety-one non-ethanol is the best stuff you can find for them. But uh, everybody don't have access to that, so yeah, yeah. I run. I run all good fuels, but I just thought I'd ask because that's what I always tell guys is that, and that's what I've noticed over time is I've run saws at tree services where they buy us nothing but, you know, the most cheapest basic crap fuel with the cheapest two stroke. Yeah. And well, lots of the, you'll see it in lots of the firewood guys because they'll let their fuel sit for months on end and then they'll dump it in the saws and they'll burn their saws up right away. You can always tell when it's a fuel issue because instead of if you over rev a saw it's going to scar in your exhaust side when you have a fuel ish a fuel issue it's going to scar all the way around to the intake side and right right away it's obvious when you rip them apart but uh, everybody likes to argue about it too oh, i had good fuel in it well how old was it well it was six months old well it probably wasn't good fuel then you should always fresh good fuel yeah another alternative is if, if they can't find if they can't find non-ethanol, you can always go to an airport or go to a racetrack and pick up uh, 100 AV gas. You know, I mean, most of the saws nowadays have most of the saws nowadays are safe running ethanol. They got the diaphragms and stuff in the car for ethanol. So I wouldn't so much worry about the ethanol as much as keeping it fresh and running, you yeah. know, a good octane level. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um, we did have a we did have a question come up about auto tune. Should we jump to that topic while we while we've got it here? Yeah. Okay. So Mtronic carburetors, how do they work? And is an Mtronic delete worth it? Third part of that question is how do they work with uh, how do they work with porting and and how does how does how do they jive together? I'd never I'd never delete it. I love them, and I think they're the best thing. If you're sending a saw in to get ported, it's awesome to send an auto to it. It'll automatically, after we after I make a couple cuts with it, and you get it back and make a couple cuts with it, it's going to automatically adjust it to run optimal. Yeah. Um, you're not even going to be able to tune a saw how it's going to adjust it. I absolutely love Mtronic and Auto-Tune. I know people argue that with me, but I think they're great. I yeah. have Auto-Tune saws with the exception of, my 395, I guess the 2511, and uh, the Echo. But so actually, that's not that many auto tune souls. My 462 is auto tune. My 201 is auto tune, and my my 550 XP that I had was auto tune. Mm, they rip. So here's another question that's on there right now. We can't we can't guarantee a tune for anything other than the altitude we are. You'd have to retune that. Yeah. What. What one thing that I recommend when I'm talking to people about elevation differences, atmospheric condition differences, 
the best thing you can do is buy yourself a tack, right? And if Gary and I tack out a saw once we've got it ported, and we know that it's safe at, say, 14,000 RPMs, right? We can send that saw to you and say, hey, 14,000 RPMs, your saw is going to be good. Then you can tack it out, go through a tuning process, whether it's a training video or whether you're talking to myself or Gary on the phone. And we can walk you how, how to tune that saw with that tack. Let's just say 4,500 feet. That's up there. Where are you at? I think, I think he's out in uh, Wyoming. You were running a higher test fuel run it's all too hot. Uh, no, it will run it cooler, I believe. But, hey, Gary, That's correct. But the, the, the two-stroke mix is actually like a lot of right there. You're, you're breaking up, man. I am. Yeah, we can't oh. hear you. All right, I'll shut up then. Somebody that's else. Right. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, a, that's a good question on the fuel mixture, the gas is what cools the saw, not the oil. So a lot of people think that by putting more oil in their gas, it's going to run cooler. Well, it's not. The oil is there for lubrication. The gas is there for cooling. However, you run the risk of, especially on a ported saw, not having enough uh, oil mixture for your bearings and for the lower end of the saw. You're putting a lot of torque and a lot of a lot of wear and tear on those bearings. He said I was covering the mic hole. I probably was. <laughs> yeah, you probably were. <laughs> it, wouldn't you agree with that, Gary? Yeah, more. I I always recommend thirty-two or forty to one in ported saws, just because the just because the lubrication properties. Cast and Tree Service wants to know: Are those new MS two hundred T in the back? That is one of Lucas's new MS two hundred Ts. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's that's our that's our custom saw that we build. Send so, it to me. Yeah, yeah, send it to you. If you're interested, Cast and Tree, uh, send me a send me a DM and we can talk about the ones that we build. So, we'll cover. We can talk about that later. I'll follow up with you. All right, sharpeners and grinders. What is the best sharpener for a quick touch up, and what's the best full blown job back in the shop sharpener? It's going to be the same sharpener, in my opinion. It's going to be the high, the high-end uh, Tecumec or Oregon grinder. And you guys yeah. have Tecumecs for like way better prices than you'll ever find an Oregon grinder. But I can show you on my Oregon grinder. See here, look. It says Oregon, and then where does it say it? It says Tecumec on here too. So maybe I'll keep my manufactured word. by Tecumec or Tecumec or however yeah. you say it. Oh, yeah, here it is, right here. Yep. Tecumec. So, and that's who makes it. So this is identical to the Jolly Roger. Is that what they, Jolly, whatever? <laughs> it's the Super Jolly. The Super Jolly. And yeah. so I have, I can set this for the gauge of whatever chain I plan to sharpen. So if I'm doing 063 or 058, 050. It's hydraulic assist, which means that every time I pull this down, it clamps. I don't know if you can see that. Let's see. See how it's clamping the chain? Um, which is way better. There's also another thing I've noticed is like, so I set I set my, my down angles 
and I can set my depths for how deep I'm going to go. Um, all that stuff is way more solid on this than it is on this dinky thing. But although this is awesome for the price, there's a lot of flex in this. I don't know if you can see that I'm pulling down on it, but there's a lot of flex to this. So you can tend to get your angles off and then your clamp is lame on this. So this is the best, the, the yeah. super dolly. And it is great for touching up or if you hit rocks or whatever you hit. Um, it's pretty much how you set it. This is what, see this right here? This is going to set how deep you're going to go on each chain. Um, sure. Just, so, yeah, I mean, it's all up to you. So now here's here's a question. For those guys that, that don't have a grinder, but they're in the field and they need a quick touch-up on their chain, I've always been a guy, when I'm personally cutting, that I like the steel two-in-one sharpener. I, I feel like that's just an easy route to go because it gives you your angles. It's it's set up on a on a jig, so you can't really get it wrong. And I found that that's a great great way to just in the field, quick and dirty, get it done. Um, some other guys like hand filing and they like their angles, but for me, especially if I've got if I'm teaching somebody or they're a greenhorn, I go right to that steel two in one file. Yeah, the I haven't honestly ever used the steel two in one file, but what I have done is known a lot of guys who swear by it. So yeah, um, yeah. BZ Arbor Care. Um, I I don't know the price right off the top of my head, but I will follow up with you when we're done with this. for the Super Jolly. Yeah, like I, you can't quote me because I don't sell them, but it's like three seventy nine or something, right in that. Yeah, I think I think it's three eighty five, but I'm not I'm not positive. Just south, just south of four hundred plus tax and shipping or whatever you guys do. Oh no, that's I'm I'm free shipping and no taxes, man. I figured I'm one, of those, I, I figured I'm one of those good guys. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's see what the next question is we got on our list. Uh, we've been over tuning. We've been over Mtronics. Um, all right, here's a here's a question that that uh zach and i already talked about a little bit if we had to pick three saws for a contract climber without only climbing and rigging gear what would they be now i want to know what's the stock pick and what's the ported pick the stock or the ported pick all right um so i'll show you what i got here if you could only pick three so i have more than three but um, I like, I like, first of all, I like a certain gap in CCs. So it's going to be roughly like 15 to 20 CCs. So if you could only pick three saws, I think it's going to be, uh, a 201, which is what this is, or a 200, if you can find one. Um, I think we know a guy who sells 200s, but, um, that's 35 cc's. Uh, you could maybe go to like 193 or 194, something that kind of falls in the middle of like a small, a small pruning saw. But um, you need something to be able to tackle removals and pull like a 14 or a 16 inch bar. Then I'd like something in the 50 cc range, which I have a, a ported Echo 501 here. Um, I hate to say it, these, uh, from what I understand, these are a little sluggy stock um their echo is fairly restricted from the factory but if money is an issue then echo is the way to go because you're going to be able to get this stock 
with south of four four hundred bucks, right? What are they like three seventy five or something in that? Yeah, I think they're right at four four hundred. Yeah, so I mean that's a steal. If I I definitely would not a hundred percent not get a two sixty one. You will be very, very, very disappointed in a stock two sixty one. They are dogs. Um the five fifty XP Mark II is a great saw. It's gonna run you about 600 650 depending on what bar options you get with it um this ported if money is not an issue this is the way to go for the 50 cc class i had a 550 xp mark ii lucas did not make me use this saw a hundred percent did not i had the option to send this back and keep playing with my 550 xp mark ii um, or keep this. And so my 550 XP is gone to a good home. I'm running this. It's, it's mainly a weight thing. This is just as powerful, if not more so than the Mark II. I did race them together. I didn't run the same chains. And then, um, so it wasn't a fair race, but, but that one, that's yeah. it. Um, and then from the, so we got 35 CC class, 50 CC class. And then the third saw I would recommend is something in the 70 CC class. If you're a contract climber, then you're thinking about weight. So this is the lightest 70 CC class saw you're going to find. You can't argue that. The 572, I see that BZ Arbor here. 572 is perfect. This is lighter. That's a bona fide fact. The 572 versus this stock, yes, the 572 will outcut it by a little bit, but it's not anything you're ever going to notice in the tree. You throw a Sumara bar on this, I got a 28-inch bar on that. It's under 20 pounds. It freaking screams. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, if that answers your question, 35cc, 50cc, and your 70cc solved. Sure. Um, you want to so start getting imported stuff, then – I mean, maybe you can find like a, a John Cutter or something in the 60cc class that you can pour it out, get it screaming, and replace the 462 with. But that's the same weight as a 362, right? Yeah. Yeah. So did yeah, I end the question or did I get off track too much? No, I think you, I think you hit it right on the, the nail right on the head there. I mean, you're – your your classes of saws i think is is right where right where somebody wants that that answer and you know from my standpoint if that if you really needed a big saw that 72 cc with a 32 inch bar on it will run yeah. fine it'll pull and can, yeah and it'll cut it'll cut a big tree you know you can cut 40 some inches like that without without issue yeah, this pulls a 28, no problem. And look, this is this is stock. My 462 is 100% stock and no sparker, Esther, but I don't really think that makes much of a difference. So here's a question. How many how many saws do you take with you to the work site? All of them. Yeah. I take all of them. Um, and because, like, okay, what happens if somebody got, got funny with the clothesline and hung it 20 feet up and I hit metal with this? I got, yeah. I've got options, you know. Um, the 462 is a great saw. I used to run it. It used to be my biggest saw, and I did everything with it, flushing stumps, all that. I mean, I found that maintenance became a little bit of an issue to keep up with, 
because I'd flush a stump on Monday and then, you know, come Wednesday, it doesn't want to cut anymore. Um, I try to do my saws every week. So, you know, I have a 395. That's pretty much taking over stump duty. That's a 37-inch Sumara bar on there. Um, so what do I have here? Four, five, six saws. That's what yeah. I roll around with. Every saw has its purpose, um, you know, from pruning to in-tree big wood. Uh, this I use. This has actually been getting a lot of use. Um, you guys don't know about the John Cutter. This is save that money right here. Um, this is Gary built this one. This thing freaking screams, but you can get these for 200 bucks. <laughs> I use it for whatever. Cutting by the chipper. I don't do too much chipping, but cutting by the chipper, you know, little felling stuff, cutting dirty wood up on the ground. It's a great little saw. Yeah. Like, like we talked about, that's your, that's your greenhorn ground guy, you know, yeah. your newbie that you don't want to put your $700 saw into their hands. No, they're not touching these saws. And actually, if, I don't know if uh, the one guy's tuned into this or not, but a guy I work with quite a lot, he's a good friend of mine. Yesterday, we did a job in Maryland. He's from my area in Pennsylvania. So an hour and a half drive, he locked, he left the key for his uh, saw box on his truck at home. And yeah. didn't have a saw. And I tend to, if you guys watch my videos, I rig like really big. So you need a saw on the ground. And I was like, hey, man, use John Cutter, dude. Like, I mean, <laughs> and he did. He used it all day. And he was actually really – everybody I've given this saw to has said the exact same thing. They're all skeptical at first. What the hell's a John Cutter is pretty much what I get. But they all come back and say, you know what, it was a fun little saw to run. The thing really, really cuts. It's not heavy. That's a 20-inch bar. It pulls it no problem. It's, it's a great ground saw, 100%. And you're gonna spend like 400 bucks on a rancher, like a 455 Husky rancher. You're gonna spend probably the same on a farm boss. I don't know what farm bosses cost, but I mean, this thing, this thing is right there with them all, and it's 200 dollars stock. Where you can yeah. you can you sell these with just like a ported muffler? And I don't know if Gary could answer this, but maybe do they benefit from a timing advance? Did you do a timing advance on these? I think that one's got one. I've messed with them on some of them, and some of them I haven't. Um, I believe that one's advanced, yes. It it, it really, really cuts. you got to keep the RPMs up. It cuts so fast that it makes you want to just push it even harder than you're already pushing it. And then it I've been does. Through a, What's that? I've been through a couple of recipes on them. Actually, the one I'm doing now is uh, – one that's been tweaked from that one you have. It's actually a more torquier recipe I've been running in them now. It ain't so – that one was kind of rev-happy but kind of lacked on the bottom end. Yeah. The new recipe is more of a blend. It's got a little more bottom end to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's a fun saw. And if you know that you got to keep the RPMs up on it – listen, for anybody who's wondering, like when I say you got to keep the RPMs up, like it's not like anything that's really hard to do. The thing screams. I'm talking about when it's cutting so fast and you're like, yeah, man, you like really dog in. And it does struggle a little bit, but like, heck, dude, it's a John Cutter, man. Like, it's yeah. fully ported. It's less money than any saw in its class. So, I mean, yeah. I, it's a great yeah, I, think, I think with that 20-inch Simura bar on it, it's less than $700. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, I mean, I, I love it. It's definitely like gotten a lot of use since I've had it. Yeah, they're great. They're great little saws. And for anybody that is wondering what that actually is, is it's a Zenoa clone. So it's a Zenoa 5800, G5800. I don't even know. Farmer Tech now produces. Put this up in the light. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Put a square grind on this thing yet. But I really want to. There you to. go. Yeah, I'm going to try it out. So this is still the new chain. And, like, I'll show you what I meant by earlier just to touch back on it. Look what happens when I put this. See, this is a bigger 3 8 chain, but look how close I am to the rakers there at the right angle. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to take yeah. a little bit. You got to take a little bit off of it, you know. I'm gonna... Yeah. All right. Well, this is this is a good segue point that somebody wanted to know the differences between the saw brands. And this is a highly, highly controversial question. Yeah, we'll be here for three hours talking about that. Dude. We could talk. We could talk forever on these on these questions, especially this one. But they want to know, you know, Steel versus Husqvarna versus Echo versus Makita versus other brands. My my standpoint is, if you're a professional, put a professional saw in that professional's hands, they will use it professionally. <laughs> yeah, and there's little nuances and there's little differences between those saw brands but they're all good you know at the end of the day if it's a professional saw it's a professional saw people people seem to think that you know the steel saws may have more torque or the the husqvarna saws may have more rpms or they like the weight and the feel of the anti-vibration system on the husqvarnas i i don't use the saw professionally so i can't I can't answer which one is better than the other because I don't. I don't think that there's an honest answer. Steel Husqvarna and Echo are all pretty much the same as far as the feel in your hands goes. They're all very well built saws, on/off switch, which is something that I think about sometimes. They're all like pretty quality. They start up. They all have decomp valves as needed. Um, some of them have annoying things about the fuel caps, like steel is kind of stupid, but um. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about those three brands, I don't really think there's too much of a difference at all. Yeah. Steel, Steel and Husqvarna are the... Husqvarna are the most popular ones. They've spent the most money on marketing, so there's that. Yep. We've proven, you know, Gary and I, especially Gary, has proven that the Echo Saws when ported see just ridiculous gains i mean well they're built for longevity mainly so there's a lot of places to gain yeah so speak about that gary on what being built for longevity actually means well lots of them run well i guess the newer ones run a little hotter timing but they run just tons of piston squish so they don't run real high compression from the factory, but it's uh, really, really easily changed. They run lower exhaust ports, higher intakes. They're just, uh, they're designed not to be as hot a saw as the other brands. Mainly, I think Echo does it so they last a little longer out of the box. Yeah. So that's how they're getting away with their long warranties is they're just building 
not quite as hot a sauce as the other brands. Sure. And another thing to talk about there is when Gary's talking about squish, he's talking about the difference between or the 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 um, distance between the top of the piston and the bottom of the squish band or the the top edge of that of that cylinder. So when the piston is at top dead center, you've got the squish reading, which is that distance. And, you know, your echoes may come from the factory at 40 thousandths or higher. And when Gary ports a saw, he's trying to get somewhere around that point, you know, 20 to 25 thousandths range. They gain their echoes, get their compression a different way. They run a low exhaust port, which makes torque and not RPM. So they're kind of torquey from the factory. But then that running such a low high, such a low exhaust port, they got to run a big squish or they'd have insane compressions. So yeah. they just design them a little different. They're timed a little different. Um, like his 501 now is timed more like a Steeler or a different brand. I crank the RPMs up on them and, uh, they seem to love it, so. Nice. Dude, that thing screams. I, I brought it up in the tree yesterday. I hadn't had it. I hadn't run it for like two or three weeks just because that's just how it was working out. You know, if I needed a bigger saw, I needed like a really big saw. It kind of sucks sometimes. But I used it yesterday, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, I mean, a silver maple it cuts fast, but, dude, that thing just – and the guys – I when I had that thing, I was cutting firewood with it, and I had it. I wouldn't recommend this because it's really walking on the edge. I had that thing tuned at like fifteen five. Dude, it, screaming! It where <laughs> it is at right now? It just it's insane. Like I, I love that saw. I want to I want to turn it up to fifteen five. You might fry it, but I want <laughs> to see what it takes. So I had it cranked, and it yeah. was ridiculous. So here's a, here's a good addition to, to the conversation about RPMs. Now, if somebody's running a saw with high RPMs, how does that compare to if they drop it a little bit and have a little bit more torque? What's the, what's the relationship between torque and RPM on a, on a ported saw? Well, tune fat, they're going to have more torque. You don't want to tune them screaming if you're going for torque. Uh, I always tune them just on a little bit, little bit on the fat side if you want the torque. You're going to lose torque when you lean them out. You're going to gain RPM but lose torque. So it all, a lot of it has to do with how you tune it and then also how the cylinder's timed. Um, you can run, run in a lower exhaust port and a little more compression is going to gain you torque. Where running a higher exhaust port is uh, going to gain you RPM. So it's all how we set them up, how we tune them. If you're running a little higher exhaust port, you can get more torque out of them by tuning them a little fat when you tune them. It's kind of a mixture of the whole, kind of a mixture of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I know that I personally like a more torquey saw than I like a high RPM saw. I just, and but I'm cutting firewood. So I'm cutting big pieces all the time, and I don't want that saw to bog down. So I'm not really I think they actually... I think they perform the best tuned a little fat because they, they're a little more torquey. I don't lean my personal saws out a lot other than that echo I was just talking about because I just wanted to see what it do. Uh, yeah. All my personal saws are usually tuned just a little bit on the fat side. 
Very good. Thanks for answering that, Gary. All right, we had a question about battery-operated saws. Now, it's... we don't talk about that. Yeah, I know. It, we're looking I know. For, let me put a, it's gonna be a really quick. case emoticon in the comments here, real quick. <laughs> will 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 battery saws ever be the norm? No. And and will a T five forty XPI be as powerful as a two hundred one T? No. <laughs> That's end of story. Battery saws are cool. I, I wouldn't yeah. mind getting one just to play with, but you can't. Other than converting them to quarter pitch, like you can't really do anything to them. Like, what are you gonna do? Put a ported battery in them? Like, you can't do anything <laughs> to them. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. Yeah, you can press the button. It's just ready to cut. You don't have to pull start a saw when you're out on like a a funny limb. Um, I don't really care. Like, I doesn't. I don't have a problem with pulling my pull starting my saw. Maybe I will someday, but now I don't. Um, and that's just where it's going to be at there and they're heavy dude like if you guys have battery saws like you can't tell me that your battery saw with like two huge batteries or the really really big husqvarna battery that lasts more than like an hour is lighter than my 2511 it's not it's, it's like yeah. i don't even understand the pull start that's like the biggest thing pull start and the noise but like we all wear ear protection anyway so like what does it even matter I, think I need a for like you're on the yard or camping or but if you're into performance, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sorry if you love battery saws, but it's just not gonna be my thing, dude. Like, I mean, like I had one I took camping. It was great for that, but <laughs> yeah, it's a nice spot to tipper to just pick up, press a button, make a little quick cut. But it's yeah. you know, I, I I think it's great for homeowners that don't want to keep mixed gas sitting around don't you know they need to go cut off a tree branch every once in a while you know something falls out of the tree but i just don't see it in the professional industry be, ever being the actual norm it, especially when you get to the logging aspect or you know guys guys that aren't climbers how big of a battery do you need to operate a 70 <laughs> cc saw or you know size wise to run <laughs> 28 inch or a 32 inch bar i mean you're gonna have two like, car batteries oh, hanging off the back end of the thing you have a battery backpack look like a ghostbuster exactly <laughs> here's a here's a good question here if you had to pick one 70 cc saw to run for the rest of your lives what would your choice be uh, who's going first on that one you go, you go ahead because i think you've got it in your hand yeah this is my favorite 70cc saw. I had uh, I run a, a ported. I had a ported 046. And it would pull like a 36-inch bar, like better than a 660. It was ridiculous. It's heavy. Um, I'm like, like not that big of a guy. So hold on, I'm plugging my phone in here. I'm like, if you guys don't know, I don't take pictures of my like, height or anything. I'm like five eight, dude. Like <laughs> on a, on a heavy side, I'm yeah. like 70. I don't need a heavy soul, so 462 all day. It's not really, like, that much of a noticeable power loss between that and a 461, in my opinion, and it is a very noticeable reduction in weight. Sure. All right, Gary, what's your favorite 70cc saw? To build power-wise, definitely a 461. It's the most badass 70cc saw after it's ported, but uh, them 462s, like, he's got their – 
They're freaking amazing. They're just light and smooth, and yeah. I guess it depends what you're using it for. If you're going, you want the most badass saw you can buy in the 70cc class, get a 61. If you want a nice, comfortable, smooth-running saw that'll still scream, you're not going to lose with the 62. They're, they're just a nice saw. Yeah, I've got, I've got two aspects of that question to me is – if I wanted a saw that I was going to have forever that I didn't have to basically dick with, I'd want a 462 just because I don't have to worry about tuning the thing. It's, it's light. It's, it's a great saw, but if I was going for performance, definitely the 461 hands down. All right. Uh, the hus the Husky guys are wondering why no one picked a Husky. Hey, no, if people would send me more Huskies, I might get on board. I don't see no Huskies. <laughs> I see a bunch of 372s. You want me to like a 572? Send me one. 572s <laughs> are a good saw. I work with a guy that has one. I mean, I pick it up, and the first thing I think is like, golly, what is this, like a 90cc saw? It's so heavy, but. Right. I haven't done one yet. I haven't seen one. Nobody sent me a, fi a 572, so send me a 572. There you go, BZ Arbor Care. Send your 572 to Gary. He'll give you he'll give you a screaming deal on it too, so he can get one in. <laughs> and by screaming deal, I mean that the saw is going to be screaming once it's over and done. This cons on the 572. Just wait. Yeah, for me, that's it. Yeah. Their Husk makes a great saw. Their auto tune is like pretty awesome, and they're pretty powerful. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people that love the five seventy two. I, I'm just not personally the Husqvarna guy. I, I've always liked the way that steels run, you know, and that's what I own. Yeah. On my personal saws right now for my, or what I did own, I guess. But, you know, if it were a seventy cc saw, at this point, if you look at the seventy cc market on new saws, I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I think that you could, you could throw a rock and hit any of the five seventy cc saws that are the main standpoints out there, and get yourself a good saw. No one ever talks about the five seventy six that Husky makes. That's a great saw too. Yeah. Super powerful. That's a tank, though. I have, I may have had a couple of them. Yeah, we've got we've got a five seventy two and a five seventy six on the list. I just looked. Yeah, there's so. saws, man. They are. Yeah. And, you know, the 7310 is a great saw as well. It's a little bit heavier. What's that? The Dolmok? Gonna... Echo. That's the Echo. The Echo. Well, yeah. And there, you've got the, the 7910, which is a 80cc saw, which is another, you know, the Makita is another great saw. Yeah. The Dolmar Makita. Makita owns them now. But, yeah, they're good saws. They're just, I don't know. Might have a problem getting parts and supply. Yeah, I thought I'm ordering a couple of them just because they're going away. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely true. I had a uh, 5105S, I think it was. It's like the new version of the old 5100. I had one for a while. It was it was a really nice saw. Just like, I don't know, it's just not quite a steel or a husky, in my opinion. A little annoying things about it. All right, so this is the this is the last question that I've got on my list. And we can we can probably chat up a couple other questions if they come in from from the viewers too, but 
this is a question that somebody asked and I also wanted to make sure we talked about it. Uh, chains, what do the numbers mean and what are the different types? Now, is steel chain better than Oregon? Does it stay sharper longer? Oh. I mean, I, if you don't mind, I can start with that a little bit. So I did see a video. It was probably the most controlled cut video I've ever seen. The guy, like, literally hung a weight off the hole in the end of a bar, and he cut with all the different brands out of the box. Then he ran them through dirt and cut with them again. And steel was the fastest cutting of all the chains. Steel yeah. is also double the price almost of any other chain. Um, Oregon was second on that list. Um, and I don't remember what was after that. So, but I, I don't know. The difference wasn't that much. And I no. can show you what I got here. Um, most of the, the guy who, I don't remember who asked that question. I'm not going to say his name, but I think he was asking from a homeowner perspective, but I might be wrong. Um, any saw that you buy is going to be this. It's going to come with this chain. You buy it at Home Depot or Husqvarna. And what this is, is there's, there's a double raker on there. See, look, when I hold it straight, it looks like there's one raker. And then as it comes around the nose, if you can kind of picture how that is, see how the raker spreads out? It's a double raker. Yep. There. And that is your safety chain, and that's designed to be low kickback because that's the point as it goes around the bar and it bends like this, that's the point where the chain – is changing direction, it's going to kick back at you. Um, if you're a professional, these are okay, but you can't really bore cut with them at all. Like, they're really, they really suck. So, you know, pros, we bore cut. Um, oh, you know what? I'm missing something. Another thing to notice about this, if you look at the cutter profile, see how it's kind of rounded as it goes around the corner right there? It's kind of rounded. Um, this is a semi-chisel chain. They are going to do a little bit better with dirt, but they're certainly not going to cut as fast as a full chisel chain um, like this. Now, if you buy any bigger saws, this is what it's going to come with if, from a homeowner perspective. If you're buying a professional saw, um, most of them are going to come. See the single cut, single raker. So as I go around the tip of the bar, it's always going to be the same and very, very aggressive, hard right angle on the cutter, um, very sharp top plate angles. Sorry, my phone's not focusing. Um, this is the most aggressive chain, really. Um, and then last but not least, I have a full chisel. This is actually, if you guys don't haven't heard, this is a camper corner, which you're not ever going to notice the difference between this and a full chisel, but it is a safety chain. Again, you see the double raker. You guys can, you don't see that. Um, yeah. So the main, that's the main thing that you're going to want to look out for when you're buying a saw. If you want your saw to cut fast, get rid of that safety chain, get something a little bit more aggressive. You can see, I even have them on 201. Um, I'll, I'll screw around with safety chain too much. They go on, they go on the rack. Yeah. But um, it's and then so talking about different pitches, Lucas, you could probably answer that a little bit better than I can. But yeah, so with there's the there's three numbers that you need to know on your chain, 
and you honestly don't even need to know what the length of the chain is because the first number you want to worry about is the number of drivers it has. So the driver is the little piece that, that comes down on the bottom, um, looks like a shark fan. And that driver is what fits into your sprocket on the clutch drum. And it also fits into the sprocket on your tip of your bar. So you have to worry about matching up the pitch of your chain. So the pitch is literally the distance from one rivet on the front of a chain to the front rivet on the next piece of chain. And it's divided by two. So most of your big saws are gonna run three eighths. Some of your smaller saws, like your 50 cc saws are gonna run 0.325. Uh, then obviously the smaller chain uh, that you run on your, on your uh, top handle saws is gonna be three eighths low profile, which means that it's still the same distance it just has a lower profile tooth. Now, so you've got the number of drive lengths, and then you've also got the, uh, the uh, pitch, which is that distance, or you know the corresponding to your clutch drum and the drum or the sprocket on the tip of your chain or tip of your bar, I'm sorry. Then finally, the last number that you have is your gauge and your gauge is gonna be the thickness of that drive length. So it's also the thickness of the channel on your bar. So as long as you know those three numbers and you can match those two numbers, well, actually just one, just match the pitch to your saw, you're in good shape. But hopefully that helps the people out there that understand what they use, but they don't know why it is the number that it is. If you go to, Anybody who's switching to aftermarket bars, um, and even your stock bars, I can find one right here. You can pretty easily figure out if you don't remember what size chain you need. So what's did I pick the I picked the only bar that doesn't say it. Never mind. I'm putting my foot in my mouth here. That's okay. Some some brands have the like um Samira. I sell Samira bars and I sell Archer bars. The Samira bar will say on it the number of drive lengths. It'll, it'll say the number of drive lengths, the pitch, and the gauge right on it. But if you're using an Archer bar, the Archer bar has a code. And that code then corresponds to the three numbers. You can see right there. This is yep. a stock Echo bar. 050-72 drive length, 325 pitch. Yep. I mean, that almost makes it too easy to order the right chain. Any pains? Um, get virtual so, skip. Is that that's a question, right? I yeah. got an easy way to tell gauge. I uh, got to remember what it is here, though. So BZ Arbor Care wants to know: Do you guys have any insight on a pixel bar? You've seen Husqvarna sell pixel bars. No idea what that means. Um, I, I've seen that the pixel bar has come out. I believe it's it's a lower profile bar, but I, I could be wrong on that. I don't know anything about the pixel bar. I know they just came out with a, with a lightweight bar. It looks just like the discontinued Oregon light bar. Um, so the new, the new lightweight Husqvarna bar that they just came out with is a Samira bar. Oh. It's, just, it's just a different uh, – it doesn't have the cutouts. It has one long cutout. That's sick. Yeah. Half skip versus full skip. Um, 
yeah, I mean, the the benefits. So this is a half skip. So you have two cutters, and then you have your skip. And then you have two cutters opposite each other, and then you have your skip. Full skip is gonna one cutter skip, and then the other cutter. See, so I mean, if you have a saw. Like, for instance, I was running my 395 with a full skip chain. I still am now, actually. But I noticed that it just spun the chain so fast that sometimes it wouldn't grab, and, like, oak and stuff like that. Like, it would just spin. So um, I switched to a half skip, and I had a lot more luck with that. But it's just more cutters to sharpen. The more yeah. faster it's going to cut. The less cutters, the more you're going to be able to keep your RPMs up, and the better it's going to clear sawdust. So it has yeah. kind of a nice blend between the two. Um, yeah, I don't – yeah, it, it cuts a little faster, Yes. Yeah, the my rule of thumb is anything over 28 inches, I'm going to recommend going to a full skip. That's just, that's just my personal rule of thumb. You know, uh, yeah. it, a lot of it if – you, if you're running a smaller saw with a bigger bar – you might want to run a skip tooth chain just because you've got less cutters in the wood, so less drag. Yeah, and it's way less time to sharpen. Like, it's literally half the time to sharpen it. So, yeah. AC4ZU, yes. The answer is yes. That green chain is why it doesn't like to bore cut right. All right. So, uh, back to telling what gauge your bar is. Everybody's got coins, right? Yep. 50 gauge, 58 gauge, 63 gauge. Just what coin fits in your bar. That's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Buxton's got yeah, so a dime, dimes are 50 gauge, a pennies are 58, and a quarters are 63. Just fit it in your bar, and that's what you got. Nice. All right. So what what other questions have we had in here that we haven't followed up on? Yeah, I think we pretty much touched on everything that came up in the comments. I've been kind of trying to keep up with that. Yeah. Um so do you guys you guys that are on right now have any more questions for us? Anything you'd like to hear us go over? We've got maybe another 10 minutes left that we can we can be on. There's one. 28-inch bar, full skip or half skip. Depends on the saw, um, honestly, yeah. and, and what kind of wood you're getting into on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely depends on the size of the saw there. If you're, running a 20, if you're trying to run a 28-inch bar on an Echo 590, <laughs> yeah. you, better run, you better run full skip on it. Super skip. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it'll, it'll, it'll pull it. It just won't oil it. Yeah. Oh, my life's dying. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've run – if you're running a 395 or a 660 with a 28-inch bar, like, oh, he says 461, lots of oak. Uh, full skip probably or half skip, but probably full. Yeah, that's a that's a feel thing there. I A 461 should pull a uh, full comp in, in oak just fine. How do you feel about running antique saws for fun? Newer's better. Yeah. You guys might <laughs> me on that, but I I like running an old saw from time to time. It's uh, 
I'm an Olympic collector myself because that's what my dad grew up with or what I grew up with that my dad had. And so I've gotten a, uh, just a, a weird like to, you know, collect those things. And they're fun to break out and to use them. And, and they, they feel a lot different. They're heavier. Um, but I've got a, an Olympic 480 Super that is so smooth. Man, that thing is awesome. But it weighs 20 pounds. <laughs> Accurate climber, full skip, 25-inch bar on a 462. No. 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 No full skip on a 25. Look. There's no reason. Hold on. Where's my – oh, here, here's, here's a 25. Bam, full skip. But I'll tell you what the reason is. There is a reason. I don't like sharpening. And full, yeah. full top takes forever, dude. Takes so long to sharpen. If I could run a full skip on my 201, if they made them, I would, dude. <laughs> nice. All right, Kev. Kev Haggard wants to know about coated pistons. What do you think about the Molly coated pistons, Gary? Oh, I ain't used one yet. <laughs> we got yeah. one set here. I haven't used it yet. Yeah. Um, we've actually got a uh, – we've – we have a Cerakote company that we work with to do our custom saws where we're, we're actually doing powder and Cerakoting on them to customize them. And one of the things that they do is uh, Cerakote has a cylinder slick. And that's going to be something that we're going to try in the future as well is to slick the inside of the cylinder and the piston, see how, how we like that. The problem with the molly-coated one saw right now is lots of people are molly-coating the cheaper pistons so you're they're a lower quality piston if i'd like to see someone molly coating like a meteor piston that'd yeah. make me a lot happier because i if i have a choice between the molly coated ones people are selling on ebay and all these people are selling or a or a meteor piston i'm gonna run the meteor piston because it's just a higher quality piston there ain't no sense of running a heavier low quality piston with poor machining because it has molly coating on it at least in my mind yeah yeah that's that would be my viewpoint on it as well uh bz arbor care wants to know the cheapest diy mod you would recommend that's that's easy for there, me it's yeah, it a mod. but fire just that, same question yeah i you know honestly though that the cheapest thing that you can do to make your saw perform better well, there's two things. Number one, keep your chain sharp. Gives me all the power. Two, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds good to me. Like, I that's, – that's, like, the main problem with a lot of guys is they just let their saws get all gummed up and, and then they cut like shit and – excuse my language, but, yeah. Yeah. I clean my – What's your thoughts, Gary? I'd say a muffler mod and a timing advance, but like I said earlier, be careful advancing your timing. Not all of them like it. You can't hurt your saw doing it too. Also, make sure you know how to tune or take it to someone that knows how to tune. Keep it in tune. An auto-tune saw performs poorly, so make sure you're tuning your saw if it's not auto-tune. Make yeah. sure you know how to tune your saw. Buck and Billy's got some great videos. Uh, I think Lucas has a video, don't you? Yep. yep There's okay. a bunch of videos out there on how to tune. Learn how to do it. Yeah. And uh, learn how to do it good. Practice it. And yeah. that's going to keep it performing. Because even if you mod your muffler, you're, 
advance your timing, you're always going to have to touch your tune-up after that. So That's learn how to. Yeah, and if if guys if you guys need a uh, a decent tack, I've got a nice one for thirty five dollars on my website. It's a real nice tack. It's it's uh, I got one. it's a handy little tool. So Gary, I have like eight. You I just never use them because <laughs> you can't find them. <laughs> Do you ever find any issues with tuning? Like, do you find soils getting out of tune, like, in the changes of weather? And then with that same question, like, that's one of my questions is uh, when you start, like, uh, talking about the little cold little cold door on the steel, yeah. you know, I've never, ever, ever used mine. And, like, I don't even think you need to. They recommend something like, like closing it at 50 degrees, which seems stupid. Yeah, I've never, got I've never with it. I never touch them. Um yeah, I never, I never touch them. But I, with weather changing your tune, yeah, definitely. If you're, if you want your soft tune to perform optimal, when it, if it's seventy out and it drops down to like here in Wisconsin, like zero, when I tune a saw at zero, it runs fat as a pig when it gets spring out. It runs so fat it won't two stroke in the wood. So. Yeah. yeah, lots of guys from the factory. They're going to kind of come a happy medium. They're going to run a little fat in the summer. That's why everybody says their saw. My saws run so good in the winter. I hear that all the time. Well, they run so good in the winter because the temperature is leaning them out. You can make them run that good in the summer. You just got to retune them. Yeah, it's great. Now, Tree Pyre wants to know using bolt-on options like a bark box without getting additional performance work done. I personally think that that's a fantastic way to go. It's cheap power. You got to tune your carb, right? If you don't have oil. Yeah, you got to tune it once you're done. Yeah. You know, that's it's not going to be it's not going to be a huge difference in tuning, but you definitely have to tune the probably tune about an eighth of an inch on your low and your high. Back fatten them up about an eighth, I mean an eighth of a turn. That's about yeah. all you're going to see. You'll know right away when you put them on. Lots of saws will have a dead spot. That's because your low is too lean. Sure. That makes perfect sense. All right. Any other questions, guys? You guys have anything, Gary or, or uh, Zach? Uh, that was probably, like, my main question. Um, the other ones I think we answered. I mean, as far as like something like a bark box goes on an auto tune saw, you just run the like with the 462 steel recommends. Uh, they have like a certain recalibration process where you you know run it for 30 seconds on half choke and then rev it full out for 30 seconds and it goes through all its little things. And I mean, is that all you pretty much recommend for auto tune? You can yeah. do that. They'll figure it out, too. If you just cut with them, they'll figure it out. Most of them. I've never had one that don't figure it out on its own, but you can do the reset, too. Mainly, if if you put something like that on and you go cut with it and you think it's running lean, or I kind of – I tune a lot of saws, so I have an ear for it. If I think it's out, out of tune, then I'll go back and uh, I'll do the reset then. But most of the time, even after I pour them, it needs a drastic tune change. I make five cuts and it's got it figured out and it's in tune. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So you don't, there's no real danger to putting bark boxes on your auto tune saws and oh, no. clean out and burn up. No, absolutely not. It'll figure it out. It's designed to compensate for 
it's like you were talking earlier, the weather and the altitudes, it's designed to compensate for all that and keep it running optimal. Like if you were to run it, you know, at 500 feet and then go to 4,000 feet, you don't necessarily got to reset it. That system's going to figure that out. It's designed to figure that out. And it'll figure out all your mods the exact same way. You run in a couple cuts, usually they're bang on in tune. That's part of the reason I love the auto-tune. Takes yeah. all the guesswork out of it. I ain't got to worry about shipping saws out and people not tuning them right because the auto-tune takes care of it. So, Absolutely. All yeah. right. Well, I think that I think this is a great place to end for the day. Uh, so thanks to Gary Buxton at Buxton Work Saws. Thanks to Zach Richards out at, uh, well, what's the name of your company, Zach? Zigzag Man Inc. <laughs> Zigzag Man Inc. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Is that what you're asking? No, no, I was just, I couldn't remember the name of your company. So. Oh, oh I, I <laughs> when I operate on my own, it's Shamrock Free Service, gotcha. but otherwise, it's just Zach, man. <laughs> Insurance is in my name. Checks go to me. Yeah. <laughs> nice. DM me for, right. but it's baseball season, so I'm not going any further than an hour. Nice. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you joining us. We'll uh, we'll have to do this again sometime in the near future. Yeah, sweet dude. All right. Yeah, Thanks fun. everybody for joining us on the on the live stream. Any questions? Feel free to message us. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys have any questions at, at all, or if there was something that we uh, that we talked about that you want to follow up on, just hit us up on a DM. So we'll talk at you guys later. Later. All right, see you. Bye.